Thanks for joining us for Welcome New Life's Sermon of the Week, where it's all good news. To stay up to date on all of our weekly services and events, please visit us at wnla.church. Please enjoy this week's sermon. We hope it encourages you. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I am. 9 a.m. service. It's going to get crazy in here today. All right. So we are in week three of our Take Courage. Who has enjoyed our Courage series for the last couple weeks? Um, Andy's message I watched uh, last week, and I was just so encouraged by him talking about Moses and how Moses was like, I, you know, I, I'm not ready for this. I can't do this. Send somebody else. And God's like, nope, I'm going to use you. We're going to give you some courage. You can do it. Um, and that, that really blessed me. That, uh, Moses is probably one of my most favorite Bible stories. I can reread that probably a hundred times. And each time God highlights something else. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to take that and I'm going to tuck that away into my heart. Uh, before I was um, preparing for today, I, I was praying and I was resting. I said, God, like, how, how, can I, how can I share about courage when I feel like half the time that's where I struggle the most? Because fear is real, right? Fear is a real thing. We feel it. And it's the enemy's biggest tool against us. And so how do I have courage? And when Andy asked me to share, I almost was wanting to say no. Because I'm like, you know what? Maybe somebody else has more courage to share. I don't know if I'm qualified for this. Um, And in that moment, God just met me right there and said, hey, guess what? You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to rely on your strength. But you get to rely on my strength. And I'm like, come on, because I need it. Um, last night I was praying and I spent some time here praying and, um, my, my grandpa was a pastor for 50, 60 years. I don't even know. Um, and when he passed, uh, my grandma had given me a bunch of his sermons that he had written over the years. And I was, I just picked up my envelope full of sermons last night and I was just going through, um, just for just some encouragement and just to feel, just to feel close to him. And he was one of my biggest mentors and role models. And I found this tiny little slip of paper that's like beaten up. I mean, this was a sermon, right? Like (laughs) now we have all these cool iPads and we get a type on and all this fun stuff. And like, um, I think the date on this one, I just pulled the one piece. It was like 1989 or something. So it was from a really long time ago. Um, and it said things, the title, sorry, did I just offend like half the church? (laughs) Okay. Yep. They're never going to let me back. Okay. It's okay. Bless you if you are a seasoned saint. Okay? Bless you, bless you. Um, oh, I'm not getting on a good start here. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it said, things that God has not seen. And I was like, huh, God sees everything, I thought, right? It said, things that God hasn't seen. God hasn't seen anybody that he couldn't change. God hasn't seen anybody that he couldn't heal. God hasn't seen anybody that he couldn't forgive. And that, that blessed me because sometimes when we, when we think about courage, we think, well, God, maybe that's for somebody else and maybe that's not my role. Maybe my role isn't to be courageous. Well, I'm telling you this morning that your role is to be courageous because God wants you to be. We read the Bible and we flip through story after story and we hear about men and women in the Bible that maybe didn't want to be courageous, but they were because God helped them to be. Doing things afraid requires courage. Uh, just a funny story about myself. So in 2017, I decided that I was going to spend one year, and each month I was going to do something new. I was going to like do something that maybe I was afraid of or something I normally wouldn't try. And so I wrote a list of all these things that I was going to do. Um, and one of these things was going paintballing, okay? Which, if you know me, that is not my thing, right? Like, that's just, no, like, I'm not outdoorsy like that. I'm not competitive like that. Like, things being hurled at you, just not my thing. I'm not athletic, right? But I got it in my mind that I'm going to go paintballing. So I wear four pairs of pants, because I heard it stings when it hits. So I'm wearing four pairs of pants. I'm wearing, like, five sweatshirts. I got goggles, boots. Like, I look like a winner, okay? And so we get to the paintball arena. I think it's in Linden, the Go Big Paintball. And we get there, and it's kind of early in the morning, and it's September. So it's kind of foggy outside. It's, it's pretty cold. And, and so, um, I'm sweating because I'm wearing like enough for Antarctica, but so we we get there and like, there's really no one there. So I'm like, Oh, it's just like the, my friends that I brought, like my sisters were there. So I was like, Oh, perfect. Like they're go easy on me. It's totally fine. And so, um, 
um, I'm all kind of geared up. I got my helmet. They give you the paintball gun, and they fill it with, like, I don't even know the term, but they fill it with air, right? And, like, just holding it, you feel powerful. You're like, look at this cool gun that I have. And so um, we're getting ready to go out on the course, but before we do, I see this, like, big van pull up. And I'm like, who's in the van? A Boy Scout troop is in the van, okay? And they came to paintball, my friends. So they are, like, wearing full-on gear with, like, pads and, like, all the, like, they match. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, what are we, I I, I don't want to do this. So we get out onto the arena. And when I say arena, there's, like, a broken-down old plane. There's, like, um, tree houses you can climb. Like, it's, a, it's, like, intense. Like, I feel like I'm in a war zone. So, finally, I find myself, like, this little rock, this little covering. And I kind of just, like, hide down. And I'm like, I'm not getting out. I'm not getting out. Like, this is horrible. And so, um, they yell, go. The guy in the center yells, go. And it's basically just, like, a free-for-all of, like, death is what it feels like. And so, I'm like, oh, no, I'm so afraid. And, like, I'm panicking. And I'm, I'm kind of a panicker. So, I'm, like shaking and I'm like I'm sweating in my 50 layers and I'm like oh no I need some courage please and so finally I get enough courage to like I'm gonna like peek up just like a little bit right like I'm gonna just get my forehead out there and so I start to like get up and I'm breathing so heavy because I'm nervous that when I get to go up, my goggles are completely fogged so I can see nothing. And all I hear is like this like whizzing by, like someone sniping me from a distance. And so I'm like, oh no, oh no. So I duck, I cover, and I run. And I only lasted one round and I never got hit because I just hit the whole time. And you know what's funny about this entire story? It wasn't even the Boy Scouts that were trying to hit me when they were like army crawling and rolling on the ground. It was my sister. She was like, you know what? I know you're afraid, so I'm just going to... I was like, thanks, Haley. But um, all this to say... It was a year of doing things that normally that I wouldn't do, right? Um, I ate weird food, which weird food to me is <laughs> pretty basic because I'm like cheeseburger and fry kind of girl. So, um, yeah, so I tried some new food. I took a dance class. I rode a horse. I mean, to some people, that's not a big deal. But for me, I'm not an animal girl. So I'm like, okay, I want the, like, slowest, like, close-to-death horse that you have. Like, I will ride that one. So they gave me one named Hobo. And you know what? He was great. And I loved him. But... I really wanted to push myself. I really wanted to allow myself to be afraid and do something anyway, right? So even though I felt nervous and I felt insecure and totally like this is not my thing, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway, right? Um, Fear for me has always been something that's held me back in life. And I feel like I've missed out on a ton because I let fear win, right? And what's funny about that is I remember I was a sophomore in high school. And mind you, kind of a backstory, my family has always been um, just a huge support to me, right? They've always loved me and encouraged me. Like, fear wasn't something that was over our house. I have, in my opinion, the most fearless parents ever, right? And so I found myself full of fear, and I thought, how did I get here? How, how, did, how am I letting fear win when this is not how I was raised? I, I read my Bible. I trust Jesus. How am I still afraid? And so I got to my sophomore year of high school. And I remember after winter break, when everybody was so excited to get back to school and see their friends, I couldn't leave my room. And I didn't know why. And I'm like, hey, you know, God, I, I, I'm afraid. And half the time, I didn't even know what I was afraid of. But fear, just the enemy would poke and poke at little things like you're not good enough. People aren't going to like you. You don't have anything to say. You don't have value. And suddenly that voice became louder than God's voice. And I found myself literally paralyzed in fear. And I told my parents that I can't go to school. I can't. Like, I don't want people to see that, that I'm not good enough. I don't want people to see that I'm afraid. Like, I, I don't know who I am. I, like, full-on identity crisis, right? I don't, I let the enemy's voice be louder. Another instance in my life. I'm, ta- I'm sharing three stories, and then we're going to get going um, into God's word. So, fast forward. I was 20 years old, and I was at a Northwest Youth Summer Camp as a youth leader. Um, And I loved, I loved being in that environment. I loved getting just to spend time with students and encourage them um, and pray over them. And it came down to the final night of camp. And our speaker had a 
meeting with all of us leaders in the beginning, they said, okay, tonight is like the big night of camp, right? Kids are going to say yes to Jesus. They're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, it's going to be amazing. And the whole time, while I should have been excited about that, I was scared because I'm like, God, like, this leader's asking us to come up there and do that. I don't, I don't, I can't do that. I, I never went to Bible school. I'm afraid. I, like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I say nothing and then it's awkward? Like, I can't, I can't do this. And so the whole day, I'm just stewing and stewing, and I listen to the enemy's voice yet again, like sophomore Erica, oh, you probably should just sit this one out. You probably shouldn't show up tonight. Just sit back, watch. Maybe next time you'll get it, right? Maybe next time you can, you can share, you can let God use you, but not this time. When it came time for service, the speaker called everybody up. So I walked to the front. I don't even know how I walked to the front, honestly, because I was just panic-stricken. Um, and the speaker looked directly at my face. And he didn't know that I was wrestling with this all day, all day. Uh, but God did. And the speaker looked directly into my eyes and said, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And in that moment, I knew that God was calling me to ministry. But yet, I still had all this fear. And I still had all this, all this insecurity of, well, what does that look like being called to ministry? I don't know what that means. But in that moment, I knew that no matter what, Jesus is going to be with me. That no matter what, I didn't have to do this alone. Fear was my default setting. And I am so excited to say that it doesn't have to be your setting. It doesn't have to be your go-to. Courage is a choice. And it's a choice to confront the things that we fear the most. It's a choice to confront the pain of our past. It's a choice to walk a courageous life. And like I said earlier, the thing that keeps us from being courageous is fear. And fear is the biggest liar. Fear makes you walk timid. Fear makes you walk insecure. Fear makes you walk full of hesitancy. And that's not of Jesus. <laughs> that is not the way that Jesus has called you to live. But it can be easy to get in that cycle, right? Of feeling like maybe you've broke free from fear, but then you kind of have one hand behind your back holding on to it just a little bit because you think, well, maybe my fear is too big for God. So I'm just going to give you just like a little bit, but I'm going to have just a little bit so I feel in control. Church, that's no way to live either. He wants it completely surrendered to his feet. Today we're going to read out of the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 6, the last book in Ephesians. And before we get to the passage we're going to read, Ephesians is kind of all about calling our, our identity. So Paul talks about how we are adopted sons and daughters, that forgiveness is ours from Christ Jesus, that we are brought close to Christ, that we are God's masterpiece, that we get to share in his promises. And he ends in chapter 6 with a final message. He talks about the armor of God. And I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking, okay, this girl's spending way too much time in kids' ministry. We learned about the armor of God when we were, like, in preschool. We put on all the pieces. But you know what? I was almost, at first, when God dropped the armor of God in my heart, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't share, because is that too small? Like, is that too small? Like, kids learned the song when they were little. And, and God just reminded me, you know what? Sometimes we have to go back to the basics, because we forget. Because we, we think about something, or we learn something, and then we kind of shove it to the side. Um, and there's a time to, to highlight it and to bring it to the surface again. And I fully believe, as I was praying for you this morning, I was praying for myself this morning, that the Holy Spirit will highlight something from this passage for you today. That no matter how many times that you've read this before, maybe you've read it once, maybe you've read it none, maybe you've read it 500 times, but the Holy Spirit is going to pick something out of this passage for you today. I fully believe that because I know that God's Word is alive and it's active and it's for today. So we are going to pick up in Ephesians 6, chapter, or verse 10. And it says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. Put on the armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Let's pause right there for a second. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against each other, right? Our battle is not against... even ourselves sometimes, right? The enemy can just feed and feed and feed to where we think that it's against each other, it's against ourselves, and that's not where we should be pointing the finger. People have wronged us, hurt us, talked down to us, you name it, but it's not against them because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And guess what, folks? He's good at it. That's his job description. He can steal joy. He can kill your courage. He can destroy your hope if we let him have the upper hand. But there's hope for us because we have Jesus, and, he, and Jesus gets the upper hand, not the enemy. Joy, courage, hope, once again, are all choices that we get to make. So how, how do we make these choices? Let's be practical. Sometimes we, we can stand up here sometimes and throw some encouragement out and we can say, oh, do this, this, and this. But like, let's be super practical today on how we get to choose courage. So we're going to pick up in Ephesians 10 verse 13. And it says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up your shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I could stop right there and that would be enough to go off of, right? Amen. Put on God's armor so you will be battle ready. Sometimes what we're walking through feels like the biggest battle of our lives. I don't know each and every one of your story. I don't know what you walked through this weekend. I don't know what you walked through five years ago. But I know sometimes it can feel like the biggest burden and the biggest weight that you've ever had to carry. Jesus wants you to be battle ready. And he's going to be with you. He never sends you in by by yourself. So I want to go ahead and I want to break down each and every one of these pieces. Because what good is it to have tools if we don't know how to use them? The belt of truth. Like I said before, the enemy fights with lies. And sometimes those lies can sound like the truth. But only if our heart is firmly planted in God's truth will we be able to defeat those lies. John 14 6 says this, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God's voice calms while the enemy's voice obsesses. God's voice comforts while the enemy's voice worries. God's voice convicts while the enemy's voice condemns. God's voice encourages while the enemy's voice discourages. God's voice stills your heart, but the enemy's voice rushes your heart. God's voice leads you, and the enemy's voice pushes you. And finally, God's voice reassures you, but the enemy's voice frightens you. That's how you know. Whether you're listening to God's voice or the enemy's voice. And sometimes the enemy's voice can sound so loud. But let me tell you a secret here. God's voice is still louder, whether you feel it or not. (laughs) If the enemy can get us to believe these lies, he thinks he's won. He wants us to drop out. That's his whole plan for our life, is to drop out. He wants to distract you. 
He wants you to worry and panic when you see things on TV or when you hear people talking about all these other things. He wants you to panic and worry and have fear because he thinks he's got you then. He pokes at the things that causes you the most pain. Maybe something that started out so small. Maybe it was just a little fear and you didn't really think about it, but it just continued to grow and grow and grow until it is massive and you find yourself like I was all those years ago. God, I don't know what to do. How did I get here? And what does Jesus say about his burden? That it's easy and light. Our second piece of armor that we're talking about is the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate fits right over and protects your torso area, right? And what is in your torso area? Your heart. The enemy attacks the heart because it's the seat of our emotions, our self-worth, and our trust. God's righteousness protects our heart. I was reading um, sort of about the Roman soldiers and how, how they would get dressed in their body armor all those years. And it says it, the breastplate would provide protection for our vital organs. And without the breastplate, the soldier would be asking for death. Any attack would constantly and insistently become fatal. With a sturdy breastplate, it became the strongest tool as the blows would continue just to bounce off the armor. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. What does the breastplate of righteousness protect? Your heart. What does God ask you to guard? Your heart. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That can be easy because we think we know it all. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but... Hello, we do. You can laugh. It's okay to laugh in church. Or maybe I'm not funny. I don't know. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Come on, somebody. God's promise is a great reward for us to those who follow the path of righteousness. What is righteousness? I feel like sometimes we throw that word around and we don't actually get to the definition of what it is or what it means. God's commandments are righteousness. To be righteous is to do what is right in God's eyes. Guard your heart. Sin is the opposite of righteousness. So if you, if you see sin and you're like, oh, this is where I'm going to fixate my time. This is where I'm going to fixate my life. That's not righteousness, folks. Amen. To be righteous is to obey God. And there is that fun obedience word that we all love so, so much. But in all seriousness, obedience comes from love, and it comes from a relationship with Jesus. When you walk hand-in-hand in, hand in relationship with Jesus, obedience doesn't feel like a chore. It feels like a blessing. It feels like something that we get to do because we get to share life with Jesus. And what a privilege that is. What a privilege because we know at the end of the day that no matter what we walk through, God only wants what's best for us. So if he's calling us out of something or highlighting something in our lives that we need to change or fix or transform, it's only because he loves us. It's never a forceful hand. It's always a gentle hand extended out to us. Shoes. Peace that comes from the good news of the gospel. Just imagine for a second with me here. A soldier's getting ready for battle. The enemy is charging the front lines. You're dressed in your armor and you're going out, but you forgot your shoes. That's embarrassing, folks. No one wants to see your feet. Like, I don't. Like, I have a real feet issue. Like, I just, I hate seeing people's toes. I'm so sorry if you like sandals, but I just, I cannot. Okay? That's one of my things where I'm like, just, just... Just cover them up, please. Okay. Um, anyway, that's me. But okay, how ridiculous is it to go to battle without shoes? Okay, because if I'm not wearing shoes, I'm constantly watching where I'm stepping. And all the parents in the room, or if you have nephew and niece, you know, like, when you step on a Lego piece, like, oh my gosh, I did the other day, and I literally thought I was about to meet Jesus. You're in the dark, you're walking, you step on it, and you're like, oh, take me home, Jesus, because that hurt. Um... But you have to watch where you step, right? And so if I'm constantly watching where I'm stepping, where are my eyes? 
they're not fixed ahead. They're not fixed on the battle ahead. They're not fixed on Jesus. They're looking down because I have to watch for debris on the ground. I have to watch for the bumpy terrain so I don't trip and fall. It seems silly, right? Like, what kind of role can shoes play? Shoes allow us to step freely, unafraid, and focused. If we don't have peace, we have fear and anxiety. And I don't know about you, but I don't operate very well out of those two things. Peace is freedom from disturbance and allows us to step into restfulness. In our society today, we don't practice restfulness. At least sometimes I feel like I don't do it very well. I have tons of Bible verses about peace. Some that are my absolute favorite, that in those times of, in those times of fear and when I would start to let anxiety in, I was able to really rely on that for, for strength. God's word is the best source of strength for us. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord will be with you. Isaiah 54.10 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. My covenant of peace. Psalms 29, 11 says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And I might seem like I'm just rattling off a ton of verses, but people, it's in here and it's good. <laughs> and sometimes we need to hear it. <laughs> John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's a life verse, folks. <laughs> That's one that we need to write on a postcard and stick it everywhere in our house, in our car, at our workplace, whatever. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. My peace is with you. That's a promise for us. March 14th, 2018. I was driving, as most of you know, down to speak at a youth ministry uh, about an hour south from here. I got two miles from my house. And my sister and I were T-boned. And when we woke up, I couldn't move. <laughs> I couldn't feel my legs. I, I, my head, I, it hurt to breathe. And I remember laying there. And as the world just seemed to sort of stop in slow motion, my heart began to fill with so much fear. As I lay and I look at my sister, as I look at myself in my rearview mirror, fear settled over my heart. And I thought, God, I thought I was done with fear. But I don't know what's going to come of this situation. I don't know what my life's going to be like right now. And so finally, once the paramedics got there and got me out of the car, um, a short time after that, they said, you know what, we, you, we can't help you here, so we have to fly you down to Seattle uh, for some surgeries, and we, we're going to have to see what we can do to put you back together, basically. And so I said, okay, did you know it takes 41 minutes to fly from Bellingham to Harborview Medical Center in a helicopter? 41 minutes. That is 41 minutes to contemplate all the things that I thought was going to go wrong. That was 41 minutes to live in so much fear of the unknown that it was so overwhelming. 41 minutes to think about that. When I got there, um, they wheel me into their um, ER trauma center, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say that it's literally like a scene from a movie. I'm laying there, and there's probably 12 doctors and nurses around my head. They're cutting off parts of my clothes, giving me shots. And meanwhile, I am in so much pain and so much fear that I'm like, I, I just want it to stop. 
And I remember there was a moment where I looked over to the wall and it was just this blank, really tacky shade of tan wall. And I looked over at the wall and I saw nothing. There was no pictures on it. There was no markings, no, no anything, nothing medical on this wall, just this blank wall. And I look over and for a second, I thought, you know what? I don't, I can't do this. I honestly think it would be easier to go and meet Jesus right now than have to go through whatever I'm about to go through. Life can feel like that sometimes. That God, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. Life is hard. I don't know what my life's going to look like. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I'm afraid. I'm filled with fear. And I remember in that moment, God shows up like he always does. And he said, Erica, I'm right here. I'm right here where I've always been. And we got this because I got this. That's God saying, I got this. I got you. So fast forward, there's a 10-day stay in a hospital, surgery, um, and lots of other really hard things that I had to walk through through that. I mean, I, I left, and I'm like, it's a miracle that I'm alive. It's a miracle that one day I get to walk, because I didn't know at that point. I did not know. The doctors would come in and said, you know what? It's going to be hard. You're going to have a lot of physical therapy, but you know what? Like, I, I think you're going to walk again. I think? No, like, I need a confirming that I'm going to walk again, doctor. Like, I don't, the thinking isn't going to do it for me. And so after five months of sitting in a wheelchair, just wondering what my body would do when I got out, anxiety came back like I never thought that it would because I thought I had crushed it, right? But once again, the enemy was like, oh, this is probably it for you. Remember that purpose that God had for you? I don't think he has it for you anymore. How can you, how can you do anything now, right? Like, you don't even know if you're going to be able to walk normal, and I remember, though it was a painful process, and though it felt like it was forever, and though I felt so much fear, God was with me the entire time. And he taught me more about trust than I never thought I'd ever learn, and that is just scratching the surface, folks. He revealed things to my heart that I wasn't even paying attention to before. Because I was able just to sit there and have peace and just rest in him. And at first it was because I didn't have a choice. And then it finally became, this is something I need daily in my life, resting in his peace. And I would read those verses over and over and over. Do not be afraid. Take courage. I've overcome the world. And that would be my song and my melody that I'd wake up to every day. Peace. It's a gift from God, and it gets us through the hardest of times. Even when we don't feel it, even when we say these verses and it seems silly because of the situation that we're walking through, it's not. The shoes of peace help us become unshakable. Peace helps us be unshakable. We can stand our ground Stand firm and take courage. And I better get going through the rest of my body armor here. Uh, <laughs> the shield of faith. I love the story in Daniel 3 where it talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their example of faith that they had. I often wonder if I have that kind of faith. <laughs> that when it seems like everyone is against them, Death is at their door. They still choose to stand up. They still choose to say that God is bigger than anybody and anything. We're just going to read a couple of verses out of there. Um, one of the verses I love, um, Daniel 3, it says, 18, it says, but even if he doesn't. So they're basically explaining to King Nebuchadnezzar that, you know what, like, you can throw me in the furnace, like, because basically to give a little backstory, he set up this big statue of himself and he says, okay, I want you to worship this because I'm important and I'm all powerful and I want you to bow down to me. And these three men says, um, no thanks, we're not going to do that because we serve God and we love God and we believe that he's the only one that we worship. And, he's, and then uh, King Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what? Well, there's a penalty then. So you'll be thrown in this blazing hot furnace and basically die. That's your, that's your penalty unless you bow down. So some people would probably be like, you know what? It's not worth death. I'll just bow down. But these three men said, you know what? No, my faith is bigger than my fear. 
And in verse 18, it says, um, or verse 17, it says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. And 18 says, but even if he doesn't, and this is where it's so good, folks, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your God or worship your gold statue that you have set up. So they knew that death was a possible choice, but they said, I don't care because I know where my faith is. Because no matter the situation, no matter what I'm walking through, Jesus is bigger and better. They didn't bow down. So then King Nebuchadnezzar gets even more furious. And it says his face was like distorted in anger. And wouldn't that be something to see? That, like, I can't even picture what that would look like. Distorted in anger. So he decides to turn the, the furnace up seven times hotter than normal. So he says, okay, I gave you a chance to bow down. You guys didn't listen. Here's what you get. So we tied them up with rope. They're fully clothed. In fact, they opened the door to the furnace. And the flames were so hot that the soldiers that were guarding the men died. Like instantly. They were thrown in the furnace. And they didn't burn up. And in fact, King Nebuchadnezzar sat there and it said, in amazement and wonder... And asked, I thought we only threw three people in there. Why is there a fourth? It looks like an angel in there. Someone is watching out for them. Someone is protecting them. Because they had faith and were not willing to be cowards, and we can call it as it is, they were not willing to be cowards, God met them right there in that fiery furnace. And when they got out, not even their clothes smelled of smoke. They were not touched. They were not harmed. And so when we talk about the shield of faith, I love that story because it's such an obvious picture to us, right? It gives us so much detail to look at. The shield protects us from the fiery arrows that the enemy is hurling at us every day. And that's not meant to scare you, but it's meant to sort of motivate you that you need this thing called faith. (laughs) When we seek after God's heart, we can see beyond our circumstances. And we know that victory is ours. And the shield is different than all the other pieces of body armor, right? So the belt you strap on, the breastplate you strap on, we're going to get to the helmet in a minute, you put it on, you wield your sword, but the the shield is something different. This is the only piece of armor that we have to take up ourselves because it's not enough just to strap my shield on and just walk around with my shield down here. That, that's not going to get you, I mean, it maybe will look cool, but it's not going to get you anywhere. But the shield is something we strap on and we hold up, we raise our faith up, It's not enough just to place it on your arm. You have to use it. It can't just settle on you. While all the other pieces are important, I'm not saying that, but this is something that we have to choose to use. When we speak victory over our circumstances, we're speaking faith. And some of us might be thinking, maybe that seems too simple. (laughs) And sometimes it is simple, and that's okay. (laughs) We don't have to make it this huge thing. We don't have to um, make it harder than it is. (laughs) Today, I would encourage you, whatever you find yourself walking through, whatever your family's walking through, that you would take courage and speak victory over your life. Speak victory over your marriage, over your kids. Speak victory over your health, your finances. Speak victory over bitterness, fear, anxiety, loneliness, depression. You name it. There's a list of things that we need to be speaking victory over, folks. When we speak victory, we use authority that God has given us. We exercise our faith. And I want you to speak it even if it feels silly or even if it feels like it's not being heard, or even if you've spoke it 20 times before. I want you to speak it so that it's the cry of your heart. 
that no matter what situation you're walking through, you say, God, this looks really dark. This looks really, really messy. And I don't, I don't know how I'm going to come back from this. I don't know how you're going to use this. But you say, God, we're speaking victory over our circumstance, victory over our life. Raise up your shield, church. Use your faith. The helmet of salvation. The enemy is going to try to get you to doubt. Because once again, he's a liar and he wants you to doubt. (laughs) To doubt that God is good. To doubt that God's plans are good. To doubt that you have a purpose. To doubt that you're God's masterpiece. To doubt, to doubt. That's what he wants you to do. (laughs) The helmet protects our head, which protects our mind from blocking all the doubts that the enemy throw in our way. The enemy wants you to doubt that, did God actually really die for you? Is this salvation thing for you or is it for somebody else? We can receive our comfort by focusing on Jesus' sacrifice for us. Because yes, salvation is for everyone. It's nothing that you have to earn. It's nothing that you have to beg for. You simply ask and you receive. You say, Jesus, forgive me. I love you and I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to lead my heart. And just like that, you are forgiven because that's how much he loves you. And I just, I have a feeling that there is someone here today that maybe you, you, you've been thinking about asking Jesus for forgiveness, but you're hesitant because your life is kind of messy. And maybe you think that you have to have it all together before you can say yes to Jesus. And let me tell you, you don't have to. <laughs> Jesus is offering salvation to you right now. <laughs> And I don't want you to leave here without it. (laughs) Because God has such good things for you. And he wants to use you. And he wants to use your story. He wants to use your testimony. And it all starts with you just saying yes. And as scary as it is, or as fearful as you may be, to maybe walk out of your seat and receive or stand or raise your hand or whatever, just say yes. Take courage and say yes. The helmet protects our mind from discouragement, pain, fear. I love when the Bible talks that we've been called out of this world. Though we remain in it, we are not of it. We are separate from it. Our way of living and even our way of thinking should be different from the world's. When their first reaction is fear, ours is courage. The enemy hates when we choose this path, and he will stop at nothing to get us to veer off course. The hope of salvation protects our thoughts. Psalms 21, or 27 one says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I I almost love that and say that in a tone of like, who do I have to fear? Who do I have to be afraid of? Because the Lord is my light. He's my everything. There's nothing for us to fear. The sword, the word of God. This is the only weapon of offense that Paul lists in all the different uh, pieces of armor. Because sometimes we have to take the offensive side. God's word is powerful. It says Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is alive and powerful. The all-powerful sword cuts through every defense the enemy can rise. When wielded by a servant of God, nothing, everybody say that with me, nothing can withstand its ability to cut straight through the core of the matter and uncover the truth. It's our responsibility and our duty to use the sword. 
Okay, your only exposure to the Bible should not be on Sunday or on Wednesday. Your only exposure to the Bible should not be like a fun Instagram quote that you post with a photo of yourself. (laughs) Um, Sorry, but it shouldn't. This should be something that you open every day. And even if you read one verse, I don't care. Read one verse. It's something that you need to use every day because it's active, alive, powerful, And it's our weapon of offense because when lies come, with doubt come, you say, oh, wait a second, I read in here and it says that I don't have to believe the lies, I don't have to doubt, that I have hope, that I have peace, that I have joy, and that's what we read in here. So read our Bibles. I talk to young people all the time and they're struggling. They're like, "I I feel like I can't hear from God. Maybe he just isn't really wanting to talk to me right now. I'm like, No, I don't think that's it. I think you're not listening. (laughs) And I think that you're not opening up your word because I think he's going to highlight things to you in here. But I think that you need to be open to receive. And I'm the biggest person that's guilty of this, honestly. It's like fear and doubt can so easily come in. It's like, oh, wait a second. What does my Bible say? What does Jesus say? When we fight... We fight knowing who's already won the battle. <laughs> we've, we've talked about all this body armor, and we've talked about all these things we can use in this battle and how we're, like, trudging out to war. You know what? We already know who won. So really, the battle's ours because it's God's. He's won, and we're on the winning side because he picked you to be on the winning side. So we have literally nothing to fear. When we arm ourselves with all these things and we go out... We know that we're winners. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. Because who doesn't like to win? Come on. So armed with our sword, armed with God's word, we fight our enemies head on. Everything that is thrown in front of us, we defeat with God's word. God wins. (laughs) every time. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.